God's perfect plan with us to dwell. He comes to me or he comes to us. Who can we tell that God is with us, Emmanuel? During this Advent season, the sermons are following along with the choral anthems from the new Mary MacDonald Christmas musical, The Advent of the Messiah, and that will take place on the Sunday before Christmas. And we're really looking forward to all that God is going to do through that evening. Today's anthem, God with us to dwell, recalls the angelic proclamation that came to Joseph announcing the birth of Jesus with the words of the prophet Isaiah, which you heard Andy read earlier in the full passage, but I'll repeat that one part. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. We as Christian people identify with that. We've heard about it all of our lives in church. But for some, it might be still difficult to understand or try to comprehend. And for those who are perhaps in our communities who have not been in church and exposed to the teaching, they might question, what does that mean? How do I understand a God who would come to earth to be a human being and to identify with the human condition? One writer says it really well, and I think we can learn from, from him, J. Ellsworth Callas. He passed away about a year ago, but he was the president of the Asbury Theological Seminary and a seasoned pastor and writer, and puts it in terms that we can understand. He says, Christmas comes at the intersection of the sublimely holy, that's the highest holy, and the utterly common. So there's an intersection between the highest holy and the utterly common. And he writes, if Christmas had only come to places of prominence, it would be the province of the powerful. And if Christmas happened only in designated places of worship, like our sanctuary, for example, Christmas might be the property of the priests or the clergy. Thankfully, neither of those is true because Christmas, when Christmas came, God moved into the neighborhood. God came as a human being. The Christmas story reminds us that God made the decision to invade the common with the divine. God chose to come among us. If you're a note taker, that's helpful for you as we try to share this message with others, that God made the intentional choice to come among us. God chose to come to a crude manger near a not very impressive first century hotel. God chose not to be shut off in the corner of life. God chose to be present in every scene and situation. Emmanuel simply means God with us, or with us is God in the Hebrew. And John, the gospel writer, says that he took on flesh and dwelt among us. God with us to dwell. This is what we as Christians call the incarnation. That's the theological word for it. Coming from two Latin words, incarne, which means in the flesh. God in the flesh with skin and bones. 
a wonderful picture in the children's message that Amanda brought earlier today. But if you stop and think about it, God becoming human appears to be a contradiction in terms. It seems almost scandalous, doesn't it? That the holy and perfect who created the universe would come to earth as a person, fully God and fully human. John writes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all humankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. And then in verse 14 of chapter 1, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, the Incarnation. One writer calls this downward mobility. We know about upward mobility, but he calls it downward mobility. And he says, quote, it completely contradicts the movement of upward mobility that is pervasive in our culture. We want to upgrade everything at the first opportunity. We want the bestest and the fastest and the slickest and the sleekest and the coolest and the newest and the largest and the most horsepowerest, and the list goes on. Upward mobility never stops. Because we go through this cycle constantly. I know I struggle with it, and we all in some way do. We supersize our food orders. We want more. We build bigger homes. Upward mobility. We buy fancier cars. The seven is faster than the six, but slower than the eight, which will come out soon. And we'll all be so disappointed. Trade me in, please, right? Bigger, we say in this culture, is always better. We try to get the mostest, the fastest. But the incarnation is a story of how Jesus humbled himself and chose not to exercise his divine rights. Instead, God chose to take on flesh and bone and assume all humanity, being fully God but also fully human. Born in a manger to simple commoners, Jesus assumed the lifestyle as a carpenter, and throughout his life he owned nothing but the things that he could take with him. This is the story of a God who loved us so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. His life is mind-boggling, heart-compelling, countercultural, and a story of downward mobility. Fanny Crosby, one of the greatest hymn writers in modern, the modern era, wrote thousands of hymns. You might recall that at age six, she was treated by a doctor who was a quack, or somebody who said he was a doctor, uh, for an illness, and put some strange ointment on her eyes, and from that point on, she was blinded and lived that way for the rest of her life. But she persevered and wrote some 9,000 hymns. You sing them often. To God be the glory. Blessed assurance. And one of my favorites, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. And she tells the story of the incarnation in the text. Tell me the story of Jesus. 
Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell how the angels in chorus sang as they welcomed His birth. To God, Glory to God in the highest. Peace and good tidings to earth. Face, fasting alone in the desert. Tell of the days that are past. How for our sins He was tempted, yet was triumphal at last. And listen. Tell of the years of his labor. Tell of the sorrow he bore. He was despised and afflicted, homeless, rejected, and poor. Tell of the cross where they nailed him, writhing in anguish and pain. Tell of the grave where they lay him. Tell how he liveth again. And then the refrain, tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious sweetest that ever was heard. The story of the incarnation that God came to dwell among us in human form. He chose to come to us. And some of you may read Max Lucado. Uh, I I enjoy listening to some of his uh, stories as uh, as he tells them and as he preaches. And in this little book, One Incredible Moment, really gives us a neat picture of what we're trying to communicate. Were it not for the shepherds, there would have been no reception. And were it not for a group of stargazers, there would have been no gifts. Angels watched as Mary changed God's diaper. The universe watched with wonder as the Almighty learned to walk. Children played in the street with Him, and the synagogue leader in had the synagogue leader in Nazareth just known who was listening to his sermons. For 33 years, he would feel everything that we feel. He felt weak. He grew weary. He was afraid of failure. He got colds, burped, and had body odor. If he's human, well, he had to feel those things too. His feelings got hurt. He got tired. His head ached. And to think of Jesus in such a light, well, Lakeda writes, it seems almost irreverent. It's not something we like to do. It's uncomfortable. It's much easier, he writes, to keep the humanity out of the incarnation. Clean the manure from around the manger. Wipe the sweat out of his eyes. Pretend he never snored or blew his nose or hit his thumb with a hammer in the carpenter shop. Well, he's much easier to stomach that way. There's something predictable about keeping him divine. It keeps it packaged and controllable. But don't do it. For heaven's sake, don't do it. Let us not try to take the incarnation out of the miracle of Christmas. Let Jesus be as human as He intended to be. Let Him into the mire and muck of our world For only if we let Him in, then can He pull us out. Because God is with us no matter what. No matter what. Nothing that we say or do is a surprise to God. Nothing in our past can keep us from God's love. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Psalm 139, the psalmist 
Where can I go from Your Spirit? Where can I flee from Your presence? If I go up into the heavens, You are there. If I make my bed in the depths, You are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and settle on the far side of the sea, even there Your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Isaiah 41.10 So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And Jesus to his disciples, and surely I am with you always till the end of the age. No matter what, God is with us. And I believe there's power in the with. Have you ever thought about that? There's power in the with. You know, when a member of the church comes by, when you're in the hospital with a large container of hot homemade chicken noodle soup and some freshly baked homemade bread, it sure beats the hospital food. There's power in the with. If you read the Advent devotionals that our staff and a number of lay people have put together, you'll see the power of the with through and through of how God through the church family is the incarnate presence of God meeting needs. There's power in the with. When your mother was in her last days and you were there by her side and someone from the church came over just to sit with you and didn't say a word, there's power in the with. I remember when I taught my daughter Isabella how to ride her bike. We took the training wheels off, you know, and then it was time to learn with no trainers. And I would hold on to her and push her, and, and then I would let her go. Hardest thing a parent's going to do is let their young'uns go. But I would run behind her the whole way with my arms right around her. Daddy's right here. Daddy's right here. I'm with you. I'm not going to let you fall. There's power in the with. When you mess up again and again and you feel like you've let your parents down and you're ashamed of yourself and they love you through it and give you another chance, there's power in the with. And that's how I understand God with us. The God of a thousand second chances. There is power in the with. The advent of the Messiah Emmanuel, God with us, there is power in the with. The manger has come to us. Chris Tomlin's song, Jesus Messiah, I love it. He became sin who knew no sin, that we might become His righteousness. He humbled Himself and carried the cross. Jesus Messiah, name above all names, Blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah, Lord of all. His body the bread, His blood the wine, broken and poured out all for love. And the whole earth trembled as the veil was torn. Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the ransom from heaven, Jesus, Messiah, Lord of all. 
who loved us so much that He came to earth to dwell. The manger has come to us. And today we remember another way that He came and entered into suffering on our behalf. And symbolically, the bread and the cup remind us of His body which was given for us and the blood shed for us. And the night before He died on the cross, He met with His disciples and He took bread and He blessed God and He said, this is My body given for you. As often as you meet, take, eat, this do in remembrance of Me. In the same way, Jesus took the cup of wine and He blessed God and poured it out saying, this is My blood shed for you for the remission of your sins and the sins of many. As often as you meet together, drink this and do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the coming of the Son of Man. Today our deacons will serve you in just a few moments. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've committed your life to Him, He's your Savior and Lord, we invite you to take. It matters not that you're a member here at HRBC or another church. It matters that you belong to God, that you're a child of God. Would you join me now as we pray together?